everyone, it's Adam from Ducafot24 with my episode 8 of The Biz. It's my weekly look into the football industry, trying to dive into all the different nooks and crannies of this great game, looking at ways people can establish careers in the industry, even if, a bit like me, your footballing talent, in my case, wasn't the greatest, and I, uh, I actually didn't, didn't get involved for many, many years, and it's great to be involved now. So let's get on. For those of you uh, who followed the Scottish series last season, you'll remember that when I went to Stirling, I had a great chat with Bill Orr, who's uh, head of performance analysis. He's uh, part of the coaching team, assistant coach, head coach. I'm not quite sure, Bill. You're going to have to fill me in on all your positions, because I know at a club like Stirling, you're a man of many... T- Many posi- many jobs, many talents. How are you doing anyway, mate? It's great to have oh, you good. back. Oh, good. No, I'm glad to be back. I enjoyed the, the chat we had last time I was on, uh, all things Stirling. So I think that's all about a good insight into sort of at least a route similar to yourself. Never played professionally. So to get to sort of operate in the background staff of a, a professional team, it's... Um, it's always good to find different ways for different people to gain in. It really is. I mean, I, I, it's a game that I love. Just sadly, in my case, my my feet let me down. <laughs> it made my own <laughs> um, before we get started, what's what's the feeling up there about Scotland's performance in the Euros? Got to ask because I mean, you really it's pushed. In, in, yeah, it's one of those ones. It's hindsight's a perfect perfect thing. We should have probably went stronger. Um, a little bit more aggressive in the first game, but to be honest, I was just happy we got here. You know, like there's people that I know that their, their kids have never experienced Scotland being in a a, a, a tournament really. So I, I would have took anything. I would have took us getting beat off England three four nil. To be honest, just the, the opportunity to actually watch your, your team in a a, a tournament because it's it's so common now where you know. It comes around and we're just never even nearly there. So for us to get there, I would have took any any iteration of it. And even though we went out, we sort of probably wimpled out at the end. I think it's, it's still a relatively young team. I know if you go through the, the individual players and the clubs that they're at, you know, you've got Tierney, Arsenal, Robertson, Liverpool, McTominay, you know, Man United... Kilmore, Chelsea. I think we're probably lacking up top a little bit uh, when you look at um, even even teams where you've got uh, Croatia with Modric, you can see how reliant they are on that, that attacking, attacking option. I just don't think we've got it up the top, but I'm mm-hmm. hoping that changes in the next three or four years as these players start to sort of mature a little. I think Gilmore will really kick on. I think McTominay will kick on as well. He's got a lot of games for for the age years, and mm-hmm. I think we're in a good place. We're probably in the best place um, that we've been. And when you look at it, I think I read a stat that we were the third lowest team in the tournament, you know. So maybe expectations for us were a little bit high, but as I say, just happy that happy that we got in the party. Oh, definitely. And you certainly made it a great party. I know Ukraine enjoyed themselves in Hamden as well. <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. We're recording this just before the sort of semi-final round. Of course, Scott, Scotland's the only team to have uh, not lost to England and not conceded a goal against England. So it was a great, great night down at Wembley as well for Scotland. So it's 
Yeah, all all credit, all credit is it, they did themselves proud, especially that night. Uh, but we're we're talking about you today in particular. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Uh, you start started off as a coach, if I'm right, or as a, a manager before. Yeah, so st- yeah, started off as a manager, um, just the amateur level. I've done that for sort of 10, 10 11 years. Um, to be honest, even before that, I never really wanted to be a football player. It was always sort of working on a backroom staff, really, even from like a young age. Um, as soon as I could sort of get into coaching, I, I did it. I was sort of a youth coach um, for a couple of years before I took the manager's gig. Uh-huh. And, and then when I took a couple of various manager uh, roles in Clyde Bank and another team called Golden Hill. So I did that for about 11 years. And then I just felt I'd sort of did it all and um, wanted to sort of move up. So I uh, left Golden Hill and then went into what well, in the Scottish structure, what it used to be, you your sort of three tiers, your amateur tier, your junior tier, which a lot of people think will be your football, but juniors, you're probably semi-pro level. And then you've got your professional level, which incorporates um, SPFL2 and upwards. So after I left the amateurs, I was looking to either be a manager at semi-pro level or sort of go into as a number two somewhere. Um, and I felt, sort of fell into the scouting game, so I ended up getting a role at uh, Greenwich Juniors, um, doing their sort of performance analysis and, and scouting. I did that for a little while, and then again, sort of wanted to sort of move on and I was offered a role at uh, Queen's Park as their head of performance analysis, which sort of moved not into that. But to be honest, it was more to, to more involved with the youth academy there, the, the under-18s. But the under-18s play, uh, uh, it's called Club Academy Scotland, which is, mm-hmm. the there's different the, 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 uh, levels of it, but you're going up against teams like Hibernian and Hearts and Rangers and Celtic and stuff like that. And I just thought that would be a probably better better step into sort of getting into a first team and a pro team. So I went there, Gardner Spears, the old Queen's Park manager, gave me an opportunity there. So I was there for about a year, year and a half. And then when Kevin Rukovic was um, reshuffling his his backroom team, um, he'd done a year at Stirling. There was an opportunity there to go in as the sort of head of performance analysis, um, which had been there for I don't know, maybe 18 months now, something like that. Um, but my roles grew, so I'm doing a lot of uh, coaching. I'm back doing coaching with the, the, the first team as well. So if we're looking at the structure of a coaching session, uh, Kevin will, will mainly do the sort of lead, you know, I'd say maybe 60% of it. Um, and then James, the assistant manager, will take maybe 25% of it, and then I'll be doing some sort of bits and bobs with the team so for those uh, you know we're taking attackers midfielders and defenders James will take defenders Kevin will mm-hmm. take attackers and I'll work with the midfielders that sort of thing um, I think the opportunity is there for me to sort of grow into that even more this year um, we want to do a lot more things and then also there's the sports science aspect of it so really if you you know Kevin's the manager James the assistant manager I'm the sort of third tier in that where, you know, the sports science department reports into the scouting departments just came over to me as well. 
And then we've got the performance analysis department as well, which has grown over the last 12 months. So um, we've onboarded our data scientist, Scrabby, who's based in Ireland. We've got Jordan Frampton, um, who's based in Wales. He does a lot of post-match analysis stuff. We've got, Ravi does a lot of the opposition analysis as well. And we've got Neil Taylor, who's, um, he, he works semi-pro level as well. We, according to search, he does a lot of the training analysis and stuff like that. Um, and I think we'll be growing it. I'm hoping to sort of move into live coding and live analysis. And next month, really, we'll be test driving it in the, the Betfred Cup. So I've, that, that department's growing. And I think even if I was to leave the club, to sort of be in a, a, a better, better position from that. I'm probably looking to do the same to the sports science department. Uh, this season as well, we will be going on that a little bit. And then just recently, um, Dave Peter had a scout took a bit of a sabbatical, so the scout departments came over to me. So I've restructured that. We've just onboarded sort of six or seven scouts, put them into regions, and then it's just structuring that. So a lot of my time will be sort of managing that flow of data and analysis on the on my regular schedule through the week, whether it be the sports science analysis, the uh, uh, pre-match or post-match or opposition analysis and now the player ID coming into uh, my remit as well we'll be looking to sort of grow grow the structure there so so it's one of those ones it's I think I think any any role that you do or anything that you want to do in the professional game in terms of working on a backroom staff I think it's always it's all it's core is always in coaching so I think someone because because the problem I had when I was younger was I wanted to do the backroom staff but I felt my age was a hindrance at that mm -hmm. point I'm only 37 now but you know I've got sort of 300 330 games under my belt as a manager probably 600 sessions I think if you can do your reps and I always say to people it doesn't really matter the level you know it's it's just you're working with the same ideas you know when you go you when you're coaching an amateur level and you're coaching in the professional level, really the only difference is the quality of the player. I think the actual structure of your session, the stuff that you want to get out of your coaching sessions, all that stays the same. And likewise, when you're managing the players, I think just to be in that environment and, you know, managing confrontation and, you know, I think if you get those reps in early, I think if you're looking to move into the professional or even semi-professional game, I think you'll be in a better position because nothing really surprises you, you by then. Can I ask you, Bill? I mean, you, mm -hmm. obviously you mentioned that you'd started coaching at a young age. Had you, yeah. take, had you taken any courses beforehand or was it a case of you sort of asking for people to give you a chance? Yeah, yeah. so I was asking to, to get a chance. So uh, for about a year and a half, I was uh, a coach, a team called Glenn Lusset, uh, their, their under-18s team. Um, and I was only sort of 21, 22 at that time. Mm -hmm. But it's just putting yourself in a, an uncomfortable environment. I don't think people do it enough. You know, sometimes it's good just to sort of get those nerves and, and awkwardness, you know, because I think at times if you do those reps, you can turn that into a really positive experience. So I was just basically going out and I was like a gun for hire, really just trying to get as many coaching sessions and that under, under my belt because I thought if I could get 
maybe 10 years experience when I was 30 maybe there was could be an opportunity to say maybe for a pro level because if you're looking at some a, a semi-professional player that maybe looking to get into coaching at 33 and you've got the two CVs yeah they may, may have a bit of a playing ability but at the same idea you've got someone on the other hand that's done 10 years coaching Mm-hmm. worked at youth level, worked with adults, you know, at times when I was at the fucking amateurs, you know, I was maybe 24, 25 at one point, but managing players at 32, 33, some of them coming back could drop down from the semi-pro level. So I think all that is sort of skills that are hard to come by um, later on in the game. And I wouldn't have liked to have done it. Um, later on, I'm glad I'd done all that sort of early on because... When I did get the opportunity, Sterling, I wasn't really phased when I went into the dressing room. There's been a couple of times where, for instance, at the Edinburgh game, Kevin's mixed up, me and James, he's done the team talk at half time and stuff like that. That would have really phased me if I hadn't done all those reps before, but mm-hmm. I felt sort of okay in the environment. There's still stuff I need to improve on, definitely, but I think I'm a, I've got a good starting point from, from where I'm going. And then I think there's the other aspect of it is just really sort of go out and do your education on it. There's just tons and tons of courses, especially for scouting. I think there's more of a route into scouting now for people who love football. Uh, They want to go and watch a game. You know, there's loads and loads of teams always looking for scouts. And I've I've been seeing more and more um, UK-based video analysts doing work for Scandinavian Scandinavian teams Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. I think there's some good courses out there. You know, the SFA have just released their talent identification. So I think you can do your 1. 1.2, 1. 1.1, 1. 1.2, 1. 1.3. And I think on their um, roadmap that you can get your sort of uh, postmaster's degree in it. You know, they've got that route that that's where they want to do. The PFSA as well, the Professional Football Scouts Association, I think. They've got great courses as well. And I think if you do that and you go out to clubs, you're offering it on a voluntary basis to get the experience, teams will take a, take a bit. When you look at sort of the, the scouting uh, team that I've just sort of brought on board, you know, we've got six scouts, but really two of them are, you know, new to scouting. So they've, they've done their PFSA, they've done their um, talent IDSFA tickets and this is their first step. But they'll probably need a little bit more support than what the other scouts that have done. But, you know, the other four scouts have came from sort of Airdrie, Hamilton, you know, sort of a good level of scouting. But I think it's it's important that especially two teams like ourselves give people the opportunity to sort of grow the skill set, get something on their CV and then hopefully move on to sort of bigger and better things. And, and the background roles are no different from the playing roles, you know. These people will be giving up their, their, time, their, their time voluntarily, but the, the hope is, even for myself, you know, the, the long-term goal is to get a full-time gig doing it. You know, what that looks like, whether, you know, even for myself, whether that's ahead of, I don't know, or maybe it's, you know, just going to a team like Hearts or Hibs as, as a recruitment analyst or something like that, but there's tons and tons of opportunities coming down the, the, the line. You know, off the top of my head, I know, Calvin's just re- recruited for the a recruitment analyst. Um, I don't think that person will be coming from a playing ground. Uh, Stockport County, they're um, looking for a head of performance analysis. Um, Sunderland have just um, 
quickly to head a data analysis. So there's loads and loads of these sort of interesting background roles that you know people won't have sort of that playing career behind it, but they'll be valued parts of the, the, that sort of recruitment and talent ID called. And I think if there's any role, coaching is much, much harder to get into, you know, from a professional side to even be involved in any sort of session at a professional level to not play, it's very, very difficult. Certainly the coaching is a lot more easier to 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 go down that sort of talent ID route, the, the scouting aspects. Definitely a route forward. I think people just need to get educated. Um, they need to show what they can do, you know, even if it's a matter of sort of scouting a, a Manchester, Manchester United v Arsenal game, doing a report on that and having some sort of portfolio that you can show teams, I think there'll be lots of people that will that, that would take a bite of that. We certainly would, you know, we get loads and loads of people wanting to get involved and it is, you know, quite congested, but you can tell, you know, the people that have done their sort of background on it and it's not just, you know, they're playing a bit of football manager fancy a, going to a, a few games and, and certain players, you know, I think if you get that sort of base in it, you know, you do your education, you get your portfolio, you, you structure a good CV and start sort of contacting clubs, I think if you meet all the criteria, I think you'll you'll definitely get an opportunity. Uh, definitely. So, I mean, you mentioned there the, the voluntary side of it. I mean, how... Uh, how many people at your level actually pick up a livable a livable wage? Not at your level per se, but you know, working at League Two, working in junior football, is it possible for anybody to sort of work full time, or is it all? Um, it's, there is there is uh, it's possible in some aspects. You know, again, it will all depend on the, the clubs that you go with. Yeah. But if you look at Scotland across the board. It is very difficult, you know, if you're in a full-time position and you're involved in talent ID, coaching, sports science, whatever it is, pick a background role. Um, if you're looking in Scotland and there's four divisions, you know, everybody's full-time in the Premier League and then you're probably, I'd say, maybe 60 or 70, probably 70 or 80% of teams are full-time in the Championship. And you've got teams like both and stuff like that that, a part-time, they'll train three times a week and play, you know, they're, they're in four times a week. But they'll, they'll be deemed, those players will have day jobs, at least some of them will. Once you start going down, you know, it's, it's, it's a very part-time gig, you know. Some people do just use their football money to supplement their, you know, their, their day job wage, but there's some people that are reliant on it. Um, but I think it's difficult, you know, and I, I do notice, you know, I'd spoke to a couple of analysts, you know, who were maybe 21, 22, never played, you know, any sort of level of football. And uh, when I was on board in sort of voluntary positions for like the data science and stuff like that, they were wanting money for it. You know, with no, with no education in it, you know, they've wrote a couple of reports and they've got a blog. You know, I don't think that's, don't get into it for the money, you know, because I think we've got a rude awakening. Do it for the love of what you want to do and then see where it leads. You know, there's that old saying, cream always rises to the top. And I do think if you put in the hours um, and you, you are good at what you do, I think there will be opportunities coming down the line. What they look like, I don't know. Will, will you ever be able to go full-time? Who knows? But I think there definitely will be opportunities because I know that over the past two years, 
that's what I've been in the, the sort of professional game. I've had maybe two or three opportunities to move for money, you know, to, for more money, but I've, I've chose to stay where I am because I, I like what I do and I like the, the team that I'm working with. But that's just two years in the game. If you fast forward five or six and you're, you're kind of hoping that something something comes of it. And football is a fickle game, you know. One minute you're the, the hero, next minute you're the villain. You know, we, we could be doing this podcast in December and that may be looking for a role or, you know, we may be talking the league. And that that's that's the part of the, the fun part of, of football, you know. Like, some people, you know, at my day job, I'm a project manager and, you know, there's it's years and years and years and it's a small, it's a real struggle to just climb that ladder and climb that salary range. But football is fickle in that the aspect and one day you can be League One, you can be the Premier League, you know, by Christmas and, and that's the way, you know, football, the entertainment industry works. You, you know, that's the, that's how it could go, you know, and you're kind of always hoping that you, you get that opportunity further down the line. You really do. You really do. I know. Will still we had a, we had we had a tough year last year, and it was at times it was hard going, but then at other times it was so uh, fulfilling. You get you get the even the victory at times. The, the surprise in victory is just it brings so much pleasure. And I think it, yeah. I I think you know you you spoke really well there when you said uh, you know it's it's an industry of sort of passion, and if you don't enjoy it. Uh, it's it's very tough at times in in this industry, and you know when when you enjoy it, it doesn't really matter as much how much you're getting paid for it, as long as as long no, as there's uh, as long as there's an income coming in from somewhere. Yeah, definitely, and it's one of those ones, you know, like you know, people, you know, you know, I spend a lot of time on on this. You know, I spend probably just as much as time on. Sterling Albion as I do my, my actual day job. Mm-hmm. But that said, you know, there's my day job doesn't come near the sort of fulfillment that I get mm-hmm. and what I do with the Sterling Albion stuff. And, you know, it needs to be that balance. And that, as I said, you know, football is a growing industry, certainly in the back background, sports science, scouting, performance analysis, it is everywhere and it's going to get even more. You can see it more with the the courses and the roles that are coming along, you know, there's just tons of opportunity there. And I think if you get in just now, it's a good good start to it. And I think if, it, if I'm looking in your sort of 21, 22, you know, I think it's a lot easier to do it now than what it would have been 10 years ago. Uh, I think if you're able to sort of show a wee bit of passion, wee bit of creativity, do your education pieces and then sort of reach out to, to teams, I think you speak to 100 teams, you know, I'm, I'm sure somebody will take a take a punt on you. And I think that's another thing to probably touch on is that yeah. there's not an industry where there's more of an opinion of what's good and what's bad. You know, when we don't look at players or when we release players and we speak to them, you know, I'm, I do always say it's just one person's opinion. You know, it's up to them to prove them wrong. And I think in these sort of backroom roles, you know, loads of people reach out to try and join professional teams. There's loads of people that don't even get back to you. You know, even I know myself, you know, when I advertised those scouting roles, there was probably maybe 80 or 90 people that reached out, you know, and we've recruited six. There's tons of rejection there. But what I would say to people is don't get phased with it. You mm-hmm. know, if you 
the, 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 the most successful people are always the most patient, you know, and you just need to keep going and keep going. If I don't think you're good, doesn't actually mean whether you're good or bad. It's just one one person's opinion. And likewise, there may be 70 more of that. I think you just need to sort of keep keep going and stay stay on your path in the way that you want to go with it. I agree, agree with you completely. What was the biggest sort of roadblock you've had to get over in, in, in your career? Um, well, see, I think there'll be two, two one. What the perceived one will be that when you get into a professional team, I hear all the time that you know players will not sort of believe your opinion or, or trust you if you've not played. I've found it the exact opposite. I've found that players are selfish players, and if you can help them improve and they can see that improvement. Players don't care where it comes from, you know, like if you can add value to, to their careers, you know, good players will always soak that up. Um, and I think that would be a perceived one that people will think or it's brought up all the time. But, you know, myself, James and Kevin will speak three, four, five times a day and it will all be tactical decisions. But I know my opinions are valued as much as James and Kevin's, even though they may have a thousand appearances mm-hmm. between them. And I, uh, and I think it goes back to what I was saying. I think if you're, you're good at what you do and you can show value and you can help people and you can prove any theories or any solutions that you've got and you can bring people on that journey, I think it will always be okay. So I, I would say, you know, I, I, I think it's it's one of those ones where I've seen other, um, like Kieran McKenna, I think his name is the first team coach at uh, Manchester United. He said the same thing. You know, he never really had that much of a playing career and, you know, he's working with the best in the world now and the you know, players don't care, really. I've, I've never felt that. I think the, the, one of the biggest issues I had was my age. So because I was coaching so young, I think by, you know, trying to get into a pro team at 24, 25, I do think that will be a little bit more difficult. You know, I think you do need to master your craft if you're wanting to move into that sort of semi-pro pro level, I think it's very rare that you would see anybody under 30 at least getting that opportunity. And it's not to say that those people don't have the, the knowledge or the value. I just don't think they've, they've done the reps. That goes, again, it goes back to what I've said before. I think you need to do your reps at any level. You need to prove your worth. You need to show your commitment before you can get that sort of opportunity to step up. I think it's, I think it's valuable. I think it's shaped me not only, you know, as a coach or an analyst or whatever you want to call me, but also a person. I think putting yourself in those uncomfortable positions when you're younger and managing players that are older or coaching players and managing conflict, I think if you've any aspirations to get to that semi-pro level, I think do your reps early, do them young, and then you'll be in a better position when you do get that opportunity later on. Uh, very wise words there, Bill. Very wise words. Uh, now, this is going out after the season started. Obviously, we're recording this just before the uh, the League Cup or the Betfred Cup or the Premier Sports Cup. The Premier Cup, I think. Premier Cup, that's it now. I get. I, I do get... It was, was it the Iron Brew? Or something it like was, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, well, I don't know that. I don't know if the Iron Brew was a Challenge Cup. It, all the sponsors always... Yeah, they, they all do. 
But obviously, by the time this goes out, you'll have played a couple of games. What's the mood like in the, in the, in the squad at the moment? Everyone kind of buzzing, looking forward to it. It's good. It was, um, it was a difficult end to the season last year. You know, I don't want to say it's excuses because you get you get what you deserve in football. You know, we finished fifth, which was just outside the, the playoffs. And we were decimated with, with the injuries. And again... People will say I've heard it all before, but I think just that end to that unprecedented season, we played four games in sort of seven days. We were going from um, Stirling to Elgin, um, covering hundreds of miles <laughs> in that week, you know, and just decimated with, with injuries, sort of the season petered out. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, we we recruit and we do have a long-term plan, not not long-term as in two years, but we do, a lot of teams will sort of plan window to window. We don't. We Our recruitment, staying in League Two or getting promoted to League One, doesn't, it's not really changed. You know, we we would always, if we got promoted, we would have recruited Dale Carrick, we would have recruited Ray Grant. So, and I think we are in a good position where there's a lot of other teams in transition at the moment where you're looking... Gary Smith went in at Edinburgh. He's obviously sort of changed the mm-hmm. squad structure there. They've, they've moved it around. Um, Faz went to Dumbarton, leaving Stranraer, and Jamie Hamill's taking over there with Daryl Duffy. They're obviously transitioning. So I think sometimes um, you come from an actual position of strength and you've got some sort of momentum um, and you keep the core of your squad. And I think we've, we've grown the squad, we've added quality players. The Andy Ryan um, going to Hamilton's obviously a big, big blow, but Andy's a fantastic professional, a superb player. He's been great for the club, you know, and the club got a fee, which is, I think it's their first fee in over a decade and stuff like that. So I think that's wow. um, things volumes, you know, to, yeah. to sort of what Andy's done at the, the club. And I think you'll, I said to him sort of last week, I think you'll absolutely tear up that championship. I think you'll really surprise people because I think in terms of where he's at just now, personal life, physical life. Um, he was a real leader in our dressing room. I think I think Hamilton are lucky to have him. And I think, you know, I think he'll be one of our, our, our main, main players I've seen. But as a blow, you know, we came, the, the, the bid came in, you know, late in the window. We more or less done with our recruitment. So um, we move on. But I think from a, a squad, Squad-wise, we're, we're good. You know, we've got a good squad. We've even recruited other players that we've been interested in for a while, like Nathan Flanagan, you know, Rubino Marr, who was at Greenock last year. Mm-hmm. You know, good, good quality players, a lot of experience. And even there's, there's younger players like Callum Law, eh, who's the number three goalkeeper. We can't have any moving on. He's moved up into a number two. And I feel you know, players like Callum's really grown into his position. He's had a couple of pre-season run out and look super confident, you know, so I think, I think we're in a good position. We've got a tough Betfred Cup group or Premier Cup group or whatever you call it. <laughs> and, you know, we've got Hearts at home, you know, at fourth bank, which Hearts are, you know, without a doubt, one of the best teams in the country, you know, and you see the riches that they've got to recruit, you know, Gary McKay, Stephen, I'm sure came in for, for a million pounds or 1.2 million, so, you know, it's a it's a whole different ballgame that we'll be playing against. We've got Cali Thistle, who, you know, are a, a well-established sort of Premier League team really playing in the Championship. Um, 
and Peter Head, who you know, again are the invested heavily in their squad. So we're a tough group. We'll, we'll treat that as a sort of extension of our pre-season. We'll sort of find our rhythm. And then we've got sort of Stenhouse Muir in the, the first game of the season <laughs> at the end of the month. So yeah. uh, that'll be a, a good good game to get up. And is it is it gonna often I'm putting you on the spot here, I know, but uh, am I right? I just read tonight that full capacities are allowed back in football stadiums. I think so. A- um, I, I don't know how that affects us because I know that for away games, um, certainly for the Premier Cup, I don't think away fans are, are allowed. Okay. But I don't know if that's changed. That may have changed. You know, we, we would love that to be, if we were looking at the Hearts game, you know, a couple of years ago, they, they played Hibs in the, the same stage of the cup and fourth bank was all but a sellout. So you're talking sort of, you know, two or three thousand there. So we'd be hoping to sort of bring in similar numbers for hearts. It's a Tuesday night as well. So you're kind of hoping, you know, you get that uplift um, for people that's maybe a season older at one of the larger teams are, are coming along to see the football. So we'd be, we'd be over the moon if um, fans were allowed back in. We played bonus on Saturday, just in our last pre-season fixture. That's the first amount, any number of fans that have been allowed in, you know, since I've been at the club. You know, I've not played in front of fans yet, and I've been here for about a year and a half. So, so I'm, I'm super excited to sort of get to the, the stadiums with people actually in them, creating a bit of an atmosphere. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I wish you the best of luck for the season. I'm going to be keeping an eye on it. And thanks. Uh, I mean, thanks for all the insight tonight. I, you know, as a scout myself, I think it's fantastic work you uh, the club's doing in general up there it's, yeah. great, it's great to see so many scouts being took on at, at the voluntary basis but it's really good to see see the department ex, you know, expand and it's it's a great way for people looking to find a pathway into the industry it's a really good one and if you enjoy analysing football it's, it's a, I agree it's a great great route to yeah go. I mean the, the worst worst thing you can get is a free ticket and a Exactly. It's not all bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Not bad at all. Uh, well, that's it for today, everyone. Of course, uh, I'm Adam at Ugrafoot24. Uh, thanks so much to Bill Orr, my guest. And until next time, everyone, take care, stay safe, and uh, see you soon. Bye bye for now.